Amen. Well, good morning. If you're a, uh, well, we are here to lift up the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just say that right out in the very front. Uh, if you happen to be, though, a World Cup fan, you're happy for nine o'clock services. Let's just, you know, let's just put it out there. I sort of figured we'd see the Kadenskis here at 9 a.m., okay? Because we have a big game, you know, coming, uh, coming up. Don't worry, we're not planning on going long. If we, if we did, the parking lot police would come after us, okay? So you'll be out in plenty of time, but not before we get an opportunity to really focus our hearts on Jesus. This, uh, uh, this we sometimes call it a sermonion when we uh, place it at this point in the service, where uh, I'll be able to open up the scriptures and be able to help you consider some things that will help us as we take communion what the Bible says is the Lord's Supper as we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus and him dying on the cross, spilling his blood, that blood that takes away our sins. And so everything about the next uh, 25 minutes or so is related, is related to that. Well, uh, we're actually coming back from the summer from really all over the world, so many of us. Uh, obviously, we heard from just a little piece of our, our team that went to Ghana. The second service, you'll be able to meet all of them. Right now, Jeff uh, and Christy Hickman and the girls and the shops and a large team from North River in Costa Rica serving the church there, running a camp, preaching, just having a, uh, you know, a time of real service of the church and a great connection of our worldwide our worldwide family. Douglas is in the uh, Caribbean. He's preaching and teaching the word. Kelly and I just got back from two, uh, two weeks in the Ukraine a couple of weeks ago. Our students are coming back from all over, really all over the world, but especially over in, uh, in, in Europe. Uh, the Europeans, they, uh, they really love their soccer. We're hoping they can love Jesus and his church as well. And so we're doing what we can. Let's, uh, let's put our, our, a picture up because you'll be encouraged to know Tom and Courtney moved two, uh, two months ago to Paris to help not only the campus ministry there in France, but really all over Europe. And on Wednesday night, uh, a little bit before we gathered on Wednesday night, Marie was baptized into Christ, a new sister in Christ in Paris. And Jennifer, we had twins in Paris on, on Wednesday night. So that's got to be so encouraging, you know, to, uh, you know, to all of us uh, not to be outdone in town. Brigitte just sounds French. She's just a good old American, I think, you know, was baptized into Christ uh, in their in-town, you know, gathering. It's just encouraging. God's family is growing all over the world, and we all get to be a part of it. And uh, it's important that you remember that even as we take communion, because the Bible really clearly teaches that as we take communion, we consider the body of Christ. We consider the, uh, the body of Jesus, the physical body, as he died for us. But then, as you'll see from the scriptures this morning, and many of you have known this for, for many years, we take communion together as a family also, as a church family, and we think about it. It's very meaningful to think in every time zone, brothers and sisters in Christ are worshiping like we are, having communion, sharing together. I want us to see what was also going on as we were gathered on Wednesday night and, and talking about some exciting Light the Hill plans uh, and future visions that we have. Our children's ministry was going strong, and they were also worshiping God. I got to see a clip, a very short clip from Wednesday night and thought you would enjoy it, you know, this morning. Let's, let's take a look. Uh, 
good. That was good. Yeah, our kids are, are singing, learning how to worship God. Isn't that tremendous? Okay. And so many of you teach and give and serve in, uh, in those ways. Worship is very important. Our personal worship, our lives in many ways are a worship to God. And then when we come together on Sunday morning, something very, very special and very unique happens when we take the Lord's Supper. As Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As you're going to see this morning from some very clear teaching from the Bible, there are also some other things to remember as well, primarily focusing in on, on Jesus. I, th- I can't think of a better passage to, uh, to begin than this one in Philippians chapter 2 that really gives us the, uh, the soil, the DNA of the spirit of what uh, communion is truly all about. And obviously, com- uh, Philippians chapter 2, those first 11 verses are squarely focused on Jesus, but they pull us in and help us think about our attitudes and our uh, where we're at spiritually. And if you're following along in your Bible or on your device, Philippians 2 starts out, if there is any encouragement in Christ, do we have any? Any comfort from his love? Got any? Paul says his love is so wide and deep and long and high that if you could understand it, you'd be filled up with all the fullness of God. Any encouragement, you know, from Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you know, any tenderness and compassion in the first couple of verses of Philippians 2, Paul says, then then make my joy complete by being of one mind, united in mind and purpose, and have this mind in yourselves, it was in Christ Jesus, which is in fact, you know, in humility, valuing or looking to others' interests above your own. That's not easy to do, is it? It's much easier and more natural, and the Holy Spirit empowers this when we, in our relationships, as this next verse, verse 5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. Okay, that's the soil, and he goes on, he talks about, uh, we'll refer to it at the end, how Jesus was in the very form God, but he didn't consider that to be something to hold on to, but he emptied himself and became human, a human form, even the form of a servant, and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And that's what we honor, it's what we remember as we take communion of all the moments in your week, this is what I believe, of every moment in your week, probably the most sacred is when you take that little piece of bread in your hand and you take that little you know, bit of juice and you do this in remembrance of Jesus. And the Bible says it's very important to examine ourselves and do it in the right spirit. And so of all your moments, I want to encourage you at that moment, try to clear the mechanism, try to reboot your heart, and try to be as focused on Jesus as you possibly can because it is truly ultimately about us and God, but it involves our hearts toward one another. Really clear from Philippians chapter 2, but really clear from, uh, you know, not only the Bible, it's also clear many times just in uh, the examples of people that we see and that God blesses to bring into our life. You know some great examples of this kind of spirit, don't you? You know some people that embody, embody this. Uh, some of us got an email uh, early this morning at 3.29 a.m. Eastern time, and it was entitled, Gloria Has Gone Home. It was from Al Baird. My precious friends, 
Tonight, Gloria finished her race and is now in the arms of God. All our kids and grandkids are here, and we are completely overwhelmed by your love, prayers, your memories of her, and your unbelievably encouraging words. Our Phoenix Church family has been wonderful as well, serving, loving, and hurting with us. God has truly comforted us through you. It's quite humbling. We've had many tremendous special goodbye moments this week, surrounding her with singing and prayer and scripture and laughter and tears. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you all. Al Baird. Many of us have known the Baird family through the years, but if you don't know them, you know somebody who has embodied this selfless spirit. This concern to think of other people's interest is more important than their own. Is it because somehow that's they were born that way, just kind of unselfish and caring and loving? Or is it possible that they really did consider Jesus so much and be so focused on him that they actually become more like him from that transforming spirit, which is our gift as Christians and as followers of Jesus. And so for all of the great examples, and certainly for, for Gloria Beard, we say thank you, thank you, thank you also, because it's important to have physical examples as well as the memory and the, and the writings of Jesus to be able to encourage us and help us along. I, I want us to, uh, as we, we go into communion, because you know the famous chapter on communion is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's where we have the greatest detail about it and about how we should approach it as Christians and even just men and women who respect and honor the memory of Jesus. And the, it's, it's very interesting because we've just finished a, a series on Exodus. And I want to draw your attention now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like to invite you to open up your Bible and follow along here. And here's the verse that incorporates what we just were looking at in Philippians chapter 2 in the middle of this discussion, or actually right before we lead into communion, and the discussion is, you know, am I able to do certain things? Is, 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 what's permissible to me and what's not? What am I okay to do and okay not to do in things that aren't directly, you know, authored by God as a commandment and real specific? And so how do I figure that out? And the spirit of it is in verse 24, that no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Interestingly enough, the soil for this discussion on communion is the book of Exodus. And we've just finished the series in chapter 10 and verse 1. Let's read. I don't want you to be ignorant, my, in fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud, and in the sea they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with them, with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And then in verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. The background is a book of Exodus. 
and all the events that we've been studying out and where, where the Bible tells us these, these happened to them, but they were written down for us so we can learn lessons from them. And then as you go down into verse, uh, I think it's about verse 14 or 15, it says, therefore, my dear friends, and now we're going to introduce the Lord's Supper, our communion. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. That was the very strong warning there in Exodus, and we remember those chapters that we read. I speak to you as sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I'm saying. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break, or that we as a church, we'll do that in a few moments, is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. We're talking about communion here. And we're going to go into a lot more detail about it, but the idea is, you know, on, on this, we're one body. We take it together. There's a heart. There's a spirit that we need to have. Not like these people who wander around the desert with no faith, but like the spirit of verse 24, you know, the people, we should be seeking our own good, but the good of others. And you're going to see as we look at communion here, that was a big issue for, you know, for this church because around, around communion, they, they actually were taking it in a spirit that caused the scriptures to say and the apostles to say, you're not really taking the Lord's Supper at all because your attitude is not right. Examine yourselves, reboot, and get it right because this is so important. Now let's look at, uh, let's look at our, our next scripture that I've got you know, you know, for us. In, in, uh, you know, we're not going to read every verse in chapter 10. That's why you've got your Bible and you've got time to go read through this. It'll be very helpful. Start in 10 and read all the way through 12. And of course, chapter 12 is about the body of Christ, how we though many are all one body and we all work together and we all need each other and we're all important regardless how we may feel at the moment. We're all one. That, that's, the, that, that's the soil of the Lord's Supper and communion in the entire discussion. And so here we see, don't cause anybody to stumble. And so he's talking about our behavior, our attitudes, our daily life. Don't cause people to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Nobody. At work, in your neighborhood, at school, wherever you are, have a heart not to put a stumbling block in people's minds. And this is an interesting phrase that Paul uses, and it's different than he'll say in other places. You know, he'll use the opposite when he's talking about a different point. He says, even as I try to please everyone in every way. It's not that Paul is saying I'm a people pleaser. He says our aim is to please God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, so many other places. But in the context of your behavior causing somebody to stumble or fall or, or, or be a, a hindrance to them, he's saying I'm really careful because I try to be aware of everybody and to please them or, or not put a problem in, in their way with my behavior. I'm not saying or seeking my own good, but the good of many, why so they can be saved. Follow my example is I follow the example of Christ. You know, that's either super humble or super prideful. But Paul, Paul is, is trying to say, I'm doing my best. In my own. He's already said he's not perfect, and he's striving for it in other places. But follow me. This is the heart 
I, I, I'm trying to have as I follow Christ. I'm not just preaching or doing lessons for you. I'm trying to live this out, you know, in, in my way. And so, you know, all of us with the, that kind of, kind of spirit will we'll take on that attitude. Here's the problem. Do you want to know how severe it is? Look in chapter 11. We're now ready to go into some of the specific instruction about communion as we'll take it together in a, in a minute. What's the problem? It's a pretty big problem in this church. Now, it's a fairly large church. Actually, the Apostle Paul himself planted the church. They had really good teaching. They became Christians and disciples. They were baptized. They've been going along pretty well. Uh, They've got spiritual gifts. There's some really good things about the church. But anybody who's familiar with these two books of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd, know there's some issues. And the issues have to do with their hearts. Has to do with... In, inner things, and here's what he says in, uh, in, uh, in chapter 11 and verse 17. It's a fairly dramatic statement. In the following directions, and these are all about the directions about the Lord's Supper, about communion, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Ah! That's bad, isn't it? Now, I know you've probably been to church before and you're going, I didn't, I'm worse off now than when I came, you know. I didn't get anything out of that. People were not nice or whatever. What he's talking about here is their collective body and their attitudes. It actually would have been better if they stayed home. Have you ever had a stinking experience in church, not because of other people, but because of you, kind of where your head was at? Or where your heart was at? Or where you were distracted? Or other kind of things? This is a bad thing for, uh, for an apostle to have to say about a church you planted. In a lot of ways, it'd be better if you just stayed home. And that's not ultimately what the direction is. Okay, no more church, just stay home and read your Bible. But he's saying, we got to change these things. And, and so, so it's a fairly dramatic situation that he has it, that you lose that kind of language. And then he says, I actually hear when you come together as a church that there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Now, that's an interesting paragraph right there. It's probably worth a little uh, self-reflection and thinking about, you know, our lives on that because he says, when, when he says, uh, as he's getting into communion, it actually, you're kind of doing more harm than good when you come together because you've got divisions among you. We know what this is about because in chapters, you know, two and three, he talks about how they, they had their favorite preachers and they had their, their favorite kind of styles of ministry and they were kind of competing in each other's minds and they weren't really focused primarily on Christ because it didn't matter who the individuals or the personalities, you know, really were. In fact, he goes on and he says, you know, there are going to be some differences because it's going to show you who's really walking in the light and who's really have this kind of heart, this Philippians 2 heart, all the things we've looked at, and who doesn't. This is, a, this is another fairly uh, dramatic, you know, uh, you know, background, you know, here. In, uh, in chapter 3, if you're following along, you'll want to see this. What is the problem? The problem is people have been Christians for a while, but they're still spiritually really immature. 
In fact, Paul will say, you're like infants or kind of like babies. He's not trying to insult them, and he tells them in chapter 4, I'm not writing these things to shame you. I'm writing them because I love you, and I'm your father in the gospel. In other words, he helped them become Christians. Okay, I'm just writing you to to admonish you or or to correct you on this because you've gotten off. And he says, I couldn't really write you as people or address you by people who live by the Spirit but you're people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. You're babies. You haven't grown up. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you weren't yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. And here's, he, he addresses it. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, aren't you worldly? Aren't you acting like mere humans? Again, we're getting to communion. We're right there. We're in the, we're in the, the, the prelude. Of all, you know, of all of these very specific instructions. But Paul is, is saying, you know, your meetings are actually doing more harm than good because you've got such spiritual immaturity among you. You've got divisions among you. There's jealousy. There's arguing. There's strife. Stop that. Okay? You can't go to communion and you can't, you know, honor Christ like that with that kind of spirit. This, this is... And, and I'm going over this material because it is the context of what we're reading, not because I'm saying, well, our North River Church is really pathetic. We're like jealous and worldly and divided. No, you know, this is just the context. That's what he's dealing with. And we got to understand at any point along the road, we could become more like this. Because maturity, this spiritual maturity equate to how long you've been a Christian? No, how mature you are. You know, we've seen it, all of us, you know, through, through the years on this. So this is, this is the, the issue and the problem that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with. And so as we, as we go on into the, the verses we've read many, 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 many times in uh, beginning in verse, verse 20 or so, he says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is, done, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when, whenever you think of it in remembrance of me. For whomever eats or, or, or drinks this bread, um, you know, whenever you do it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's, that's, that, that, that's the spirit. That's the heart that the Bible is really being able to get, uh, to, to get after. That communion is all about focusing our hearts on Jesus and letting go of any of this stuff in, in our old lives, kind of rebooting, kind of, if you've if you got some, some, some unspiritual thoughts, you've got some unforgiveness, you've got some jealousy, you've got some quarreling, you've got some, you know, some of that stuff, those internal things, you, you, you release that. You know, you let that go. You say, God, help me, help me to be worthy in the way that I'm taking that. It actually is a fairly serious thing because if you just keep reading in, uh, in your Bible, you see this passage. He says, so then whoever eats or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You see that in the scriptures? Is that pretty clear? So there's some self-examination, you know, that we take, that, that we take place. And for those who eat, he says, and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What is he saying? 
If you have a bad attitude in communion and you take it in the wrong way, you're going to hell. It's eternal judgment. No. That's not what he's getting at. What he's getting at is the next verse. This is why. This is why. Some of you struggle so much. Even in your physical life, you're weak and sick, and some of you have fallen asleep. You're not doing good spiritually. you got consequences when you don't have the right heart and the right spirit. You know, as you approach communion and God and your brothers and sisters, no, it's not eternal. It's not the unforgivable sin that you mess up and you don't have a good heart in communion, but you're guilty. That's what he said. And that's where you just go, guilty. And then God says, forgiven. Change. Repent. Start over. Reboot. Reboot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really important that you can just say, guilty. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. I'm going to do better. Okay? God really doesn't want us walking around feeling guilty. He'd like us to deal with that right here. Reboot and be forgiven and get, start getting more spiritual healthy. So this is really not for you to take this bread and juice with trepidation. <laughs> This morning, oh no, I got to do this right. Just say, God, help me to have a good heart. Help me to focus on Jesus. Help me to really give attention, you know, to this because I think you can see there's seriousness here. Takeaways. Okay, that's an interesting one. All right, let's go to takeaways. Uh, I'd say, Amari, if you can get that takeaway up there, that'd be great. Here's the first one, okay? Am I willing to let the scriptures and the apostles admonish and correct me? Is that a good question? Okay. Now, 1 Corinthians is also, chapter 13 is there. You know, if I speak with the, with the tongues of men and angels and have all the wisdom in the world and, and give my body to be burned but don't have love, I'm nothing. Love is patient and kind. It's, so, it's one of the famous chapters in the world on love. Paul's all about love. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, or refer to it, he talks about praying that we can know how wide and deep and long and high is the love of Christ and be filled with all his knowledge. Paul and the writer, they're all about grace. It's all about love. It's all about being motivated by the love of Jesus. But there are some times when you get corrected when you read the Bible. Have you noticed? Where you get an admonishment. And just, you go, am I willing to take that? Okay, and not just roll around in guilt and not just blow it off either. Am I willing to take it? Well, thanks, I needed that. Okay, because that's a really important thing. And it's especially important if you're like me, okay, with my DNA. I hate to be told what to do. I've always hated to be told what to do. They told me to wear a tie, you know, to get up before the church when I was in campus, and I wore a bow tie. I mean, just to do something different. That's the way I was. <laughs> Dating guidelines, I didn't want that. I, you know, let me just do my, I do not like it. Show me a scripture and I'll try to deal with it. I just don't like anybody telling me what, that's my DNA, Okay. And there's some of you that can relate to that. Now, as you become more like Christ, you know, that moderates, right? And you understand, you know, scriptures and leadership and all of that. But, you know, I don't think I'm the only one in the room. There's a corollary to this. I don't like to be preached to. You ever heard that? Okay. Give me a TED Talk, 15 minutes, entertaining, you know, you know uh, some good, good information, and, and, and I'll, I'll just go with it and do whatever I, I choose. 
That is a little bit how we can be. Now, that's really not what you see in the Bible, right? You remember when you first came to church <laughs> in one of our churches? I remember coming, you know, is it it a place, uh, you, know, in, you know, in Florida. And, uh, you know, I, I was just, wow, I was really taken back by the minister. First of all, you called him Chuck instead of Reverend. That was new for me, okay? And you actually, you can call the guy Chuck. Hey, Chuck. And he actually was relatable. He wore a nice coat, you know, instead of the robes. And, uh, but he was not cutesy. You know, this guy would just get up and preach the Bible for about 40 minutes. And bam, bam, you know, and just preach it. And, I, you know, for, you, you grow up in a certain type of church, you're just not used to that, you know. I mean, just kind of powerful preaching of the Scripture. Not judgmental, not condescending, but just strong preaching. Because there is a part of us and some of us we don't like to be preached to. And to really be challenged. Just work on that, okay? And just keep reading the Scriptures. You'll see that, that, that it's part of the, uh, of, of God's plan. And Christian evangelists are told to preach the word, be in season, out of season, you know, preach it, correct, exhort, admonish, be patient with everybody. It's just part of, uh, you know, our spirit. But, you know, we just, let's just work at this, okay? And secondly, ha- have a right attitude towards scripture. Secondly, being united is more important than getting my own way. Do you see that in the Bible? This, that's, this, that's the question. Just, just, if not, spend some more time in the scriptures and see where this comes down. I believe it comes down squarely that being united and being together is more important than getting what pleases me or what, you know, I, you know, I want. And then second, or lastly, how about on Sunday we take a selfie, okay? Take a selfie and take a look at it, or as the Bible says, just examine our own hearts as we get ready to take communion. Just take a look, take an inventory, and be able to say, am I, in my life right now, am I being selfish are selfless, like Jesus. And, you know, thank God for whatever is good and where you're seeing yourself grow in this area, being more like Christ, and in areas where you're not, say, God, I need your help, and be open and humble and get help from the Scriptures and from each other to just be more like Jesus. I try to do that when I take communion each, uh, each week. I hope you will, too. I try to look into my heart, and I, try, and I always say, God, Forgive me for all the things I know that I, <laughs> that I haven't done great and the things I don't even know, okay? You know, you know, thank you that you died for me, that Jesus died for me, that this blood washes me of every sin. I'm completely not guilty. I'm going to have, you know, thank you, thank you. It's not based, you know, you know on me, but help me take a look at myself and reboot and be able to start this week off with a focus of being more like Jesus. That's what I hope all of our hearts can be. I'm sure that's what the scriptures are really trying to, to help us. And wow, it just gets down to chapter 11 and verse 20 where he says, you're not even taking the Lord's Supper. I hope this morning we can go, I've taken the Lord's Supper. Because to the best of my heart and my ability, I've tried to focus on Jesus and have the right spirit in approaching this. And let's just do our best to not get up from communion on any Sunday morning and walk out with the same lack of forgiveness or the same holding on to hurts or the same, you know, little bristliness that we can have, you know, you know, on that. But just lay that at the foot of the cross and really try to walk out of here more focused and spiritual and loving people than we did when we walk in. How about that? I think that's the spirit of Jesus and the spirit of you know, of, you know, of the scriptures. You know, if there's any encouragement in, uh, in Christ Jesus, 
if there's any comfort in his love, if there's any fellowship with the Spirit, you know, any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete, the Scriptures say, by being of one mind and one purpose, you know, considering other people's interest more important than your own. Have this in mind, the same mindset that Christ Jesus had in your relationships, that though he was in, by nature, God, did not hold on to equality with God as something to be grasped or held on to or taken advantage of, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a human, a servant, you know, laying down, you know, his rights, you know, and therefore God has exalted Jesus above every name in heaven and on earth, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow on earth, under the earth, over the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we're just going to come before you this morning with humble hearts. Thank you from the bottom of our heart for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross and do what we couldn't do, you know, for ourselves. And, and just help us uh, in a very sincere way to approach you in a worthy manner, you know, focusing on Jesus, surrendering the things that we need to, and being so grateful for this opportunity to reboot spiritually every Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.